As we begin, I want to remember the scripture that we ended with last week. It's Romans 15, 13. Romans 15, 13 says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Last week's lesson was hope for today. Today's lesson is kind of hope for tomorrow, but specifically it is our hope of heaven. I believe in heaven, our hope for tomorrow. This passage of scripture from Romans 15 verse 13 talks about us overflowing with hope, which seems odd (laughs) as we close out this year of 2020. It almost seems a bit inconsistent because of all of the things we've been through this year and all of the different situations and crises that we have lived through and continue to live through and struggle with. And yet, Scripture says, overflow with hope. And the reason it can say that is it doesn't say overflow with hope So, if everything is going well for you. But it says overflow with hope. And then Scripture tells us how that's possible. It's possible because we believe in heaven, our hope for tomorrow. I want to share a few things from 1 Peter chapter 1 today and then close with the passage from 1 Peter chapter 3. And remind us all that in the midst of this year, in the midst of 2020, as we look ahead to 2021, our faith and our hope are in our God. And we look forward to the time when Jesus comes again and our hope for being in heaven for eternity in his presence will be realized. But in the meantime, the question is, how should we live? And scripture answers that question. And it answers it with the word hope. We live lives of hope today. When many around us seem to be pessimistic and cynical and losing hope, those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ have every reason to believe all the more in our hope of heaven, our hope for tomorrow. Why is that? Well, Peter tells us why, especially in 1 Peter chapter 1. He writes to people who were at the bottom of the social scale. Many of them had been uh, refugees out of Palestine and now had settled in likely the northern areas of modern-day Turkey, Others were residents of that land and now had named the name of Christ. And so for many of them, they no longer had any power, any say in what went on in their world from a secular perspective, from a physical, economic, social perspective. They had given all of that up. And so Peter writes to them. And what he tells them is, you are God's chosen people. The culture and the society and the social context around you may not value you. But God values you because God has chosen you. God has called you. God has blessed you. And that's his message about the hope that we have for tomorrow, our hope of 
heaven. What does he tell them? Well, first of all, he tells them our hope of heaven is a living hope. It is a living hope. These great words um, that are towards the beginning of 1 Peter, in chapter 1, beginning at verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter tells them our hope is a living hope because the tomb is empty. Our hope is a living hope because of the resurrection of the dead. And our hope of heaven is a living hope because it affects how we live today. We talked about this as David shared that verse from 1 Peter chapter 5. That connects all of that together. That talks about how through Jesus Christ we have the power to endure. And he who will save us ultimately with that living hope of heaven saves us every single day and empowers us and strengthens us and encourages us and gives us the opportunity to do the same for those around us. Our hope of heaven is a living hope. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. In Romans 1, Paul says that Jesus was declared with power to be the Son of God through the resurrection of the dead. It was something that God put his stamp of approval on everything Jesus had said, everything Jesus had done, and demonstrated to us that he will do the same for us as well. Our hope of heaven is a living hope. Verse 4 says that we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. There's a lot of things that we've learned from 2020. (laughs) And I think one of those things is that you can't take anything for granted. And there are many things that you might count on and come to expect that can be taken away pretty easily and pretty quickly. But our hope of heaven is not one of them. Our hope of heaven can neither perish nor spoil nor fade. Why? Because it is an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us. This world can't touch it. It's not anything that the circumstances of this world can affect. Because it is a living hope. Because it is based in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what about in the meantime? Well, verse 5 says that this inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. We are shielded, but shielded from what? Shielded from bad things happening to us? Not at all. We know firsthand that's not true. Shielded from uh, difficulties that come from being in this world? We'll we'll experience those. We haven't been shielded from those things. Shielded from hurts, shielded from sufferings, shielded from being betrayed by those we trust, shielded from economic difficulties, shielded from health difficulties. None of those is true. As Christians, we experience all of those things because we are human, just like everybody else. So what have 
we've been shielded from. We have an inheritance kept in heaven for us who through faith have been shielded by God's power until that hope is realized. What God promises, what he says is, while you're walking in this life, I will be with you. We hear that from the very beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, and we hear it at the very end. Emmanuel, God with us. When he is first conceived, miraculously through the power of God, his heavenly Father. And we hear it at the end with that call, that great commission to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, continuing to teach them everything that we've learned. And God promises, Jesus promises, I will be with you to the very end. That's the promise that we have that is unchecked by anything that happens in this world. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground, God with us ground. To fairer worlds on high, we're marching to Zion. Our hope of heaven is a living hope. Secondly, today, our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. Our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. I think one of the things that our friends and family members, fellow students, fellow co-workers, neighbors, that sometimes are critical of us as people whose hope is in heaven, some of that criticism is appropriate and is a call for us to take a step or two back and ask ourselves, what, what exactly are they saying and, and what truth is there in that? Because what they may be saying is, I hear you talk a lot about heaven, but I don't see you being very concerned about the world around you right now. And if that's the case, then that is a horrible, horrible witness of the people of Jesus Christ. Thankfully, we're a part of a church that that could never be said of because of all the great and wonderful things that this church does. As we miss our friends and family members who are watching us and worshiping with us online, we ache for the days when we can all be together and we can safely hug and we can safely shake hands and we can look each other in, in the full face, in the eyes. But in the meantime, the work of God still goes on here. The work of God is still being done by those who haven't even been able to come here in actual physical presence yet. And the work is certainly being done by all of us as well. Our shepherd David Hammond shared a little bit about the wonderful weekend last weekend as Saturday so many of our children and parents and youth workers went on a trip to Yesterland Farms and to celebrate the season. What a wonderful day that was. And to those who were able to share the love of God with a poinsettia plant to some of our shut-ins that ache and beg so much for that connect connection. Scripture says the one beatitude that's not in Matthew 5, but rather in a sermon that Paul would later preach. 
as he's talking to the elders from the church at Ephesus in Acts 20, it is more blessed to what? To give than to receive. What our church leaders, what our leaders here at West Irwin hear constantly when people have reached out to try to help and to serve and to give is we thank them over and over again and they say, oh, no, no, no thanks needed. It was, I received the blessing. (laughs) I received the blessing. Our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. And Peter acknowledges that in 1 Peter 1, skipping down to verse 13. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. Again, our hope of heaven, our hope for tomorrow. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. What does that mean, Bill? That's a, that's a $1.298 religious word that doesn't mean anything to me. Our traditional way of explaining it is, is it means set apart. It means that you are set apart for a particular purpose and a particular function and a particular mission, and that's certainly true. You're set apart for a particular future, our hope of heaven. But it also means that we're set apart to live a certain way, to live differently in some cases than the people around us. Because where the way of the cross contradicts the way of the world from the start. We mentioned it in class this morning is when Jesus is talking to us and he tells us, look, if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to first deny yourself. And that strikes at the heart of the message that we hear constantly in our world. In our world, the message is fulfill yourself, indulge yourself, act based on your feelings what you want and what gives you pleasure because that's ultimately the only authority that you have to live under but that's not the way of the cross and that's not the message of the bible and that wasn't the way of jesus as he prayed in the garden he prayed not my will yours father be done and he calls on us to pray that same prayer whatever that means And what it means for all of us is to lead a holy life, a life of purity, a life given for others, a life of selflessness, not selfishness, a life that acknowledges that call to discipleship means denying yourself, taking up your cross every day, Luke says in Luke 9, and following after our Lord who did the same. Who did the same. And so we live that holy life right out in the big fat middle of everybody. <laughs> even in 2020 America, yes. Even in 2021 America, yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. We live this life voluntarily. We live it excitedly. We live it with joy. We live it with hope. Our hope of heaven is a living hope, and our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. It has an impact on how we live our lives every day. It has an impact on how we interact with people around us, the ones we agree with and especially the ones we disagree with, because that's what makes us different. 
from everyone around us. As Jesus talked to his disciples who were wanting to be first, he said, here's, the, here's what that means. It means you go last. Coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration, when everybody that was there wanted to worship him, Jesus says, look, let me tell you what it means to be the Messiah. It means that I'm going to be betrayed. It means that I'm going to be forsaken. It means that I'm going to be falsely accused and condemned. It means I'm going to be beaten by my own people and turned over to our oppressors, the Romans. And it means I'm going to be crucified. That's what that means. But I'm doing that for the sake of others. And that wonderful message that James led us as we gathered around the table today, connecting sacrifice and blessing. Exactly. Exactly. And the blessing that we receive, having a living hope, comes only, only because of the sacrifice, not that we made, but that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, made for us. And now he calls us to do the same for others. Our hope of heaven is a living hope. Our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. And then thirdly, our hope of heaven is in God. Our hope of heaven is in God. Speaking of that sacrifice that brought about our blessing, Peter says this in 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 17, since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, 1 Peter 1, 19, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him, verse 21, you believe in God who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are where? In God. Now the people that Peter was originally writing to, they understood that. They understood that because there was nowhere else they could place their hope. There was nowhere else they could put their faith. That's not been the case for us. Because we've been so blessed and thank God for it. With that blessing comes a temptation and that temptation is to trust in the things that we have. The material things. The social things. The economic things. The political things. The business things. All of those things stare us in the face, and Satan uses them to say, trust in this. Put your faith and your hope in this. And then a year like 2020 comes along, and we're reminded, that won't work. (laughs) That won't work. It works for some, and it works in some cases, but it doesn't work forever. And it doesn't bring what we ultimately want. That home in heaven, that life eternal What Peter reminds his hearers and what he reminds us of today is that our hope of heaven is in God and nothing else and no one else. We as people make mistakes and our trust is not in our own obedience and our own righteousness. Because as 
the most obedient and righteous one among us will remember the times when we disobeyed. We'll remember the times when we sinned. And we know we can't trust in that for our salvation. It's not enough. We can't trust in anything else. Our hope and our faith Peter reminds us, is in God. Why? Because we were not redeemed with things, assets, money, power, good decisions, good friends. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. That's what Isaiah saw hundreds of years before it happened, as Davy reminded us in Isaiah 53. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of the lamb, the perfect lamb. But in order to do that, he had to be killed. And so when Revelation shows us an image of the ultimate victor, it's it's not a lion. It's not a powerful king. It's not an army commander. It's a lamb, a lamb who looks as if it had been killed. Why does it look that way? Because it was killed. That lamb that brought about our salvation, that is the ultimate victor, gave willingly his life on the cross. Our hope of heaven is in God through the wonderful imperishable blood of Jesus Christ are you washed in the blood of the lamb nothing else will bring about that salvation nothing else will allow you to realize that hope of heaven for eternity our hope of heaven is a living hope based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our hope of heaven leads to a holy life. Our hope of heaven is in God. And as we close today, we turn to chapter 3 of 1 Peter and remind ourselves we are always ready to tell others of our hope of heaven. We are always ready. We're a little scared. (laughs) We're a little nervous. We're afraid we might say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. But we're always ready. We always want to share with someone about this wonderful, marvelous Savior that has given us the hope of heaven when we did not deserve it in any way, shape, or form. We are always ready to tell others of our hope of heaven. This great passage in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16 looking back to the Old Testament story of a king who was nervous about conspiracy theories during his reign and hearing a word from God through the prophet Isaiah that, relax, God's got this. Don't fear what they fear. Don't be afraid of what the world is afraid of. Rather, verse 15, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have but do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander 
when they see you living a life of hope at a hopeless time for some, they will say, how can you do that? And you say, I am so glad that you ask. Because that hope I have, that smile on my face doesn't come from my bank account. It doesn't come from my political party. It doesn't come from my economic status. It doesn't come because I have a lot of friends. It comes because of Jesus Christ. He gave his life for me. He shed his blood for me when I was his enemy. He gave me the hope of heaven. He gave me the hope of living forever. And he died on the cross and he shed his blood so that you can have that same hope. And I would like nothing better. Tell me about that hope of heaven, they might ask. And we say, I've got a mansion prepared. Jesus has left, according to John 14, and he's getting it ready for me. And he's getting it ready for you too. If you'll respond in faith, if you'll come to Jesus, if you'll be washed in the blood of the Lamb, it's a resurrection that no one can ever take away. It's a resurrection that gives us encouragement as we consider those that we've lost in this life as we face our own mortality. It's the hope of heaven. Our hope of heaven is a living hope. It is one that leads us to a holy life. Our hope of heaven is in God. And we love to talk about it. This morning, if you would like to hear more about that hope of heaven, if you need prayers and encouragement from your church family, we're here for each other. We're here to help through a phone call or an email. We're here to help through a prayer together over the phone, in person, however we can do it. What a blessing. What a blessing, our hope of heaven. If you need help with that promise, that hope, come as we stand, sing our song together. Have you-